This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Total Saints podcast of 2020. Yes, with the Christmas festivities just about upon us, we're going to wrap up this year one of Saints' more successful 12-month periods with TSP 142. On this episode, we'll be reflecting on Saints' latest games against Arsenal and Manchester City that both brought an element of positivity and frustration. We'll also be previewing the Christmas fixtures for Ralph Hasenhutl's side against Fulham on Boxing Day before West Ham visits St Mary's three days before the new year. Glenn, Steve and Dan are with me again, and before we catch up with them, in case you're wondering what that noise in the background is, it's the guy's incredible sense of anticipation over our 2020 TSP Christmas quiz, which you'll find in the middle of this pod. Anyway, Glenn, Steve, Dan, good evening to you. Evening. 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 At time of recording, it's just five sleeps until uh, Santa comes now. Are you excited, Dan? You can't wait. I've been put into tier four. My Christmas is, is effectively over, so I, mean, yeah, I can't wait. Brilliant. Bring it on. Yeah. Serves you right for living down there, doesn't it? Really? It does, it does. So, uh, a, 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 swift, a swift relegation for Portsmouth. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. So uh, there we go. And uh, what have you asked for for this uh, year, Dan? Seriously, what's uh, top of your list? Uh, I can't actually remember, to be honest. I feel like as, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm old, Um I'm only 25, but as you kind of get older, they, they, they get things get more bit more practical, don't they? You actually start thinking about what do I need, and we're quite organised in in the household, so you know we sort of give everyone an idea sort of by November. So I mean, I honestly can't remember what I've asked for. Three points on Boxing Day at Fulham. That's nice, what I've asked for this nice. year. I like that. That's good. Uh, yeah, I've I've reached that age now where uh, I know I bought a couple of exercise tops and a pair of trainers on uh, Black Friday, which uh, the wife's going to wrap up and give to me, and I'm going to open with an element of surprise. That's the age I've reached. And of course, <laughs> I'm still going to get my uh, 25th Lynx body wash uh, set in uh, in a row as well, probably. What about you, Glenn? An extensive and varied list of uh, gift requests, I imagine. Yeah, well, I've reached the age where, you know, you, you want a speedboat and a girlfriend who's 21. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. So I'll probably end up with another pair of slippers. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't really care. I'm, I, I literally am um, only bothered about <laughs> uh, making sure my presence to other people are not dreadful. I don't really care what I get. I'm, I'm quite easy going. Walking boots that don't leak. That'd be nice. <laughs> Did you do a secret Santa with work this year, Glenn? Or not? No, yeah. I I kind of banned myself from getting involved in those after a, a famous plastic dog poo flinging incident, which um, <laughs> yeah. was a present I bought for someone which didn't go down too well, and um, <laughs> she was rampaging around the pub trying to you know 
taking it really seriously. Who on earth bought me that? <laughs> and I was hiding behind several pints of beer. Yeah, so I've, uh, I've excused myself from Secret Santa ever since then. That makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, Steve, 2020 has obviously been a, a tough year for all of us. Um, certainly in the UK, we uh, rarely require any excuses for a drink. But I think uh, a tipple or two definitely seems well earned this Christmas. Yeah, it's been a tough one for everybody, isn't it? And uh, I think, yeah, there's... I'd imagine quite a lot more alcohol will be will be uh, consumed Christmas Day, given the given the various restrictions. No, pretty much nobody's going to be going anywhere, are they? So, um, yeah, just crack crack them open, I reckon. Yeah, I concur, Stephen. I think not just because of uh, more negative reasons, but I think a, a well-deserved uh, drink this year for uh, Saints' performance in 2020. I think we'll all be toasting that. Anyway, before we get going, a few mentions, if that's all right. Firstly, a big thank you to everyone's feedback on our pre-Christmas special podcast, TSP 141, with the legend that is Ricky Lambert. Really glad that you all enjoyed it. It was an absolute pleasure, obviously, speaking to Ricky, and hopefully the pod did him and his achievements with Saints justice. Um, I have to quickly uh, but publicly say thank you to someone who will be listening to this podcast for helping to make that interview happen they'll know who they are and uh, i just want to say again that i'm very grateful to them for their assistance leading on from that and the listens we had you may have seen that we passed a hundred thousand listens last week for the period since first of january i think we're all really chuffed that uh, we managed to do that seeing the podcast continuing to grow so a big thank you to all of you for keeping with us this year encouraging tsp to continue and for especially the support of our tsp global patrons Obviously, I have to say a massive thanks to the likes of Steve, Glenn, Dan, Adam and Lucy for their contributions, all our guests and, uh, of course, Happy Hot Tubs who supported us previously as well. Who knows where uh, 2021 will get us to, but uh, we'll see what it brings numbers-wise, but um, very much a, a great end to the year anyway. Uh, lastly, I just wanted to welcome our latest TSP patron to the community, Tom Weston. Tom, a really big thank you from all of us here for supporting the podcast by signing up this week. We really appreciate it. And speaking of TSP patrons, just want to say many congratulations to another of our patrons, Will and his partner, who welcomed a baby girl into the world early yesterday morning on Saturday. We hope everyone is doing well, Will. Right, let's get going for the final time in 2020, underpinned by our wonderful TSP patrons, just like Tom this is TSP 142. This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Dillacour, and the Athletics Dan Sheldon. Saints ended the back of a tough few days, travelling to Arsenal and then facing Manchester City with one point from a possible six. That said, in both matches, Ralph Hasenhutl's side more than competed against two of the big six. Steve, let's start with the City game as it's uh, a little bit more fresh in the mind. What did you make of the 90 minutes overall? Um, it was cold. Um, it was um, obviously a, a great sort of kind of relief, I suppose, to be to be back at St Mary's for um, for the first time in God, what nine months. Slightly, odd, slightly kind of odd circumstances in all the arrangements and stuff, but but very well organised, I must say, by the club. They've um, they've done well to kind of get buy-in from all the people that were that had that had tickets, were lucky enough to get tickets, like myself. But in terms of the actual game, I thought we were excellent, and it was it was odd in that I I think going into the game, you might have expected a similar similar setup to how we played against them in the restart when we obviously beat them 1-0 and I mean we were kind of hanging on a little bit but in the same manner they didn't actually create anything really they had a lot of possession around the area and did square root of sod all really and and yet today we it kind it's kind of a, sh- a sign of how confident we are in the system now that we played our normal game um we took the game to them first first half especially left ourselves open a little bit on a couple of occasions but I thought we were probably the better side in the first half and we had a lot we had a lot of kind of three-quarter chances I would say where maybe sort of a slightly better final ball maybe a less heavy touch um, would have turned that into a turn those chances into a sort of proper full-on chance and it was I guess a 1-0 defeat kind of feels like a what-if result really because in that first half we could have had three or four if 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 the ball had fallen a little bit little bit kinder i mean i think ings was a little bit unlucky not to not to at least provoke a, a serious var review for being booted up in the air after he'd um after he'd headed wide 
But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think there'll be many complaints about the overall performance. I think certain individuals were kind of in and out of the game in, in certain certain parts of it, especially second half when I mean, we, we obviously ended the game with effectively two children up front, which which was always was always going to make it difficult chasing a game. And I mean, City, if they'd if they'd not kind of dicked around with it a little bit in 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 around our area in the last 10 minutes they could have had two or three on on the counter attack but i think i think a draw would have been a fair result even with those sort of late breakaway chances i think um we did enough especially in that first half i mean i kind of think it's a little bit damning with faint praise when um when the sort of top level opposition manager heaps praise on you after they've just beaten you um, because you can be damn sure that he wouldn't have been so complimentary had we got a result out of it. But no, I think I would say overwhelmingly positive is my is my kind of summary take on that, to be honest. Dan, Ralph uh, obviously spoke ahead of both games, but particularly the City game, didn't he, saying that the team wanted to show how far they'd come and how much they'd developed. Um, then afterwards he said, quote, to be honest, we played a much better game than last season when we won 1-0, which uh, Steve just mentioned there. So would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, if you cast your mind back to that, when they beat them 1-0, it was very much a kind of, you know, almost a smash and grab, really. It was that goal from Shea Adams, which no one saw coming, really, uh, that, that did the job. And, you know, Saints sat back in that game. But like Steve said, they went toe-to-toe with Man City uh, on Saturday. And, you know, City obviously had the chances at the end. So that game could easily have ended 3-0, 4-0. But then it easily could have been 1-0, or 2-1 Saints. I mean, it was just one of those. I mean, Saints did everything but score really there just wasn't that kind of like Steve said that that final pass that was on going into the right place um obviously losing Danny Ings early in the first half you know not, not long before half time sort of threw a spanner into the works Shea Adams I can remember him getting getting near the back post and having probably I don't know maybe their best chance of the game and even that wasn't exactly a standout chance in itself so there just wasn't enough kind of you know Walcott made a couple of good passes in the in the second half that just just didn't go to the player that it had hoped or, you know, a C player got his head in the way or or anything like that. So I think there were so many positives to to take from that City game. The way they they just took it to City really impressed me. You know, City didn't look entirely in, entirely comfortable throughout the uh, the whole game. Of course, they've got players of like absolute individual quality, De Bruyne, Sterling, you know, and it was those two that combined to, to link up the score. And even that goal was just a lapse of concentration from Southampton. Uh, you know, it happened once and they got punished for it and, you know, that's the difference between a team that's won the Premier League and a team that is trying to push up the table as much as possible. Mm. Glenn, as, as uh, Dan mentions there, it's kind of a funny old game, isn't it, football, as they say? Because you look at the stats from July's game compared to yesterday. Obviously, we won in July 1-0. We lost yesterday 1-0. But in July, we had 26% possession. Yesterday, we had 48% possession. And in July, City had 26 shots. And yesterday, they had 11 shots. So, you know, it's it, as I say, it's, uh, it's you know interesting sometimes when you look at the stats behind it. But I suppose, you know, as Dan mentioned, definitely signs of being much more competitive against a, a club with uh, obviously far more resources financially just maybe that le- lack of sort of cut and edge up front particularly obviously once Danny Ings went off uh yeah definitely I mean I don't think we had particularly a, you know we didn't have much of a cutting edge against City we also didn't have much of a cutting edge against Arsenal in midweek either um that's something that's maybe a little bit of a worry at the moment um, we need we need to sort of get that back into our game but the uh, yeah the the, the stats thing uh, is interesting, I guess, but there is only one stat that matters, as you know. I mean, I've, I've just watched Leeds against Man United, yeah. and the, st- the stats of that are off the yeah. scale. You know, yeah. everyone's saying, oh, Leeds were great. Leeds got buried, you know, absolutely buried. So it's uh, how much possession you have, you know, doesn't matter that much. I'm sure Ralph would have rather run, won the game. He's... Um, you know, he's, he's, he's saying we, we played well and we did, but at the end of the day, we lost. And yeah, like I say, I think he would have preferred a, preferred a scruffy win, but, um, we did play well and we go out against the big six now and, and we can give anybody a game. We can, we can give anybody a game. We don't, we don't just turn up and lose, which is what we, you know, did three or four years ago. So we're, we are making progress. That's undeniable. And that, is what you've got to remember. You know, you, you can look at these last two games and say, okay, we've only got one point from two games. But, you know, a few years ago, we'd have got zero and we'd have lost both games 3-0 and we wouldn't have even, it wouldn't have even been worth talking about the game for longer than a couple of minutes. Now we have, you know, we have lots of things to talk about and we're, we're looking better all the time. And you, you look at the league table, yeah, we've dropped a couple of places, but where are we? Sixth? 
after today's games, which is which is still you know excellent. And as the only games we've lost this season, uh, we lost the lost to Palace, which is a bad one. But other than that, it's Man United, Spurs, and Man City. You know, as long as we can keep that sort of thing going, then that's fine. And that's the thing I was saying to someone yesterday, Glenn. I mean, other than that first 30 minutes at Chelsea, where, again, we didn't play particularly well, and other than uh, that 30-minute uh, capitulation against Spurs, we have competed against, as you say, all of those games now. We've played five of them. We've obviously got Liverpool at the start of the new year, which uh, always is a daunting prospect at the moment. But, as you say, for all of those games, we have competed. We haven't just been swept aside. No, and we... If, if the big clubs have players who don't fancy it, for whatever reason, we're not prepared to put in 100% effort. We are the sort of team that will find them out because we do work hard. We do press them all over the pitch. I mean, a little thing I was impressed with yesterday is the fact that we played pretty well in the second half. You know, we didn't get buried in the second half, which considering Romeo and Ward-Prowse were both on a booking, I thought we managed to, we didn't cave in like we did against Tottenham. You know, we managed to sort of keep at least keeping City honest they couldn't just do whatever they wanted um, so I was, I was I was pleased with the second half yesterday um, even though it wasn't quite as good as the first we we at least competed and I still I still felt that there there might be something in the game for us um, maybe if Mike Dean had a slightly different uh, interpretation of some of the rules I mean what's handball these days no one knows do I, they? Mean, I mean just, I don't know if you're going to ask this question specifically but are you were okay. <laughs> but anyway, well, carry it, it on. probably was to me. But I, you know, the ball is hit Sterling on the arm at the start of the season. That would have been given. I don't know what the rules are now. They seem to have changed. This, this, there were some people saying if it hits another part of his body and then it's his hand, it's not a handball. Is that a rule? I don't know. Yeah, it, it it's is, just unfortunately. Yeah, but it, it just, it just that that would have been given earlier on in the season. And I, I just, I just don't get it anymore. But there you go. <laughs> and the early uh, prognosis on um, Danny Ings, then Dan. Um, we're recording what just 24 hours or so after the game, so we'll be waiting to hear what news comes out uh, this week. Uh, I suppose if there's any positives to take at uh, this time, it's that it looked or, or sounded like it was his hamstring rather than his knee again. But uh, I don't know if you've heard anything further or what uh, sort of Ralph's immediate reaction was like, other than the, the quotes that we've seen. In terms of Ings, it. It's from someone I've spoken to today, um, close to Danny. At the first, initially, I think everyone was kind of, you know, it was more of a precautionary thing. Um, Danny sort of felt his ham, felt something in his hamstring, and just basically didn't want to take the risk, and you know, decided there and then, right, I need to come off. So that was sort of the, what I'd heard after the game. From speaking again to someone today, it sounds as if you know, they, they learn the full extent tomorrow. Um, the early signs were positive, but then the early signs were positive. Uh, when he limped off, when he went off, off against Villa, yeah. so injuries are always tricky because um, you know they take a, a day or two to sort of either go down in the swelling or, or whatever. And I mean, I'm no hamstring expert either, so you know I, I wouldn't really know what would happen to a hamstring a day or two days after you think it's gone. But like I said, early signs were, you know, early conversations I've had were promising. Should know more tomorrow. Yeah. And what did you make of uh, and Lindelou and uh, Teller when they came on, Dan? I thought it was. Uh, I mentioned in the group chat earlier today, I thought Ralph going for Teller says a lot about what he must think of, of Teller. You know, he had other options on the bench with more experience. It would have been, I think personally, it would have been easy for Ralph to move Walcott up front. Uh, and then you've got either Armstrong, Long, well, not really Long, but, you know, Redmond um, to bring on. Um, but the fact he brought Teller on and left all of those three on the bench, you know, it shows that he must have some faith in the player. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to come in and make some a major impact against City, but I thought he was kind of good in flashes. There was a pass at the end, which was, you know, I think he tried to like play it across the, the face of the box or the face of the goal that didn't quite have the the accuracy. But, you know, I think it is positive signs. You know, I was, I was speaking to someone who knows Nathan Taylor really well earlier in the week, and they were raving about him, which is, of course, good going forward. Um, so, yeah, you know, the, the only way he's going to improve is by playing him. So I was happy to, to see him come on the pitch. It's a shame, you know, he didn't make probably the kind of impact he'd have hoped to, but, you know, it is valuable nonetheless for him. I thought sending it, hang on, I thought sending him on sent a bit of a message about the academy as well, because he's just scored four goals in an academy game. So it's, it's quite a good message to send that, you know, if you do well for this team, you will not only be on the bench, you've got a very good chance of getting on the pitch and I think that was that was important and it it probably says more that Ralph wasn't particularly confident in some of the others 
in, in you know, we were one nil down at that stage, remember? So we needed a goal. We didn't just, I, I dare say, if it had been nil nil, then you would have probably seen Shane Long come on, to, to, you know, to, to run about and to do, well, that's all he does, but just to run about. But, um, you know, because we needed a goal, he probably looked at the bench and thought, Teller's got four goals last week. Why not, why not shove him on? And, and just on the, the City um, sort of penalty incident, Steve, then, um, Cleb mentioned them earlier. There was obviously the one where sort of Diaz uh, kicked in inverted commas Danny Ings. There was obviously then the handball as well. What was your sort of general view? I mean, you were obviously there when you were sort of watching it real time. I'm sure you've seen the replays, but, but you, you know, after the game and things like that. Again, we know it's always hard to get decisions against the big clubs, but did you feel either of them could have been given or were they uh, 50-50s, really? Um, the one in the first half, I thought, was was a stronger claim because... Diaz doesn't know that Ings is there. He's basically just aimlessly swinging his boot to try and clear the ball. He misses the ball. He doesn't get anywhere near the ball. Ings gets in behind him. And the fact that he's swinging his boot like that is what causes Ings to head it, head it like three yards wide. Um, so for me, that's that's quite a strong claim. And Mike, uh, Mike Dean just had no, no not even the remotest of interest he didn't even there wasn't even the sort of flailing flailing of his arms to sort of signal no penalty um which there was for the for the handball shout in the second half um i mean i've not se- i've not seen a replay of the of the handball um so bear, bear in mind that i was down the other end of the ground so probably not the best view but from what from how it's been described if it hits if it hits um part of Sterling's body and ricochets onto his arm that's not a penalty um so if that's if that's as described then yeah I've got got no particular issue with that decision to be honest and just finally you mentioned at the at the start sort of uh, you know being at the game and things like that and I'm sure you can briefly give an explanation about uh, the fact in case anyone's wondering that you've not been uh, flouting uh, lockdown rules etc etc but what <laughs> did you make of the atmosphere Steve because obviously that's the first game you've been back to there's only 2,000 people in there was it better than you expected etc it was kind of mixed there were there were little spells in the game where it went very quiet where i think ordinarily if you had a full ground then a different part of the ground would pick up the slack whereas where you've only got 2000 and i mean you don't know how many of those 2000 are people who would ordinarily want to get involved with the atmosphere you've obviously got a, a significant number of people who go to games just to watch and to take it all in which which is fine but in a in a restricted attendance game, you kind of need a higher percentage of people to get involved. And it, that seemed to kind of come from both ends of the ground and not an awful lot from, from in the middle. So um, it was, the atmosphere was OK. Um, in parts, it was it was better than I would have expected. But as I say, there were there were times where basically there was just no noise. And it was it was as if you were watching it um, sort of on telly back in back in the sort of restart. Uh, period um but i think having um i think amazon probably erred slightly by their well, with their placement of the of their sort of studio um so they basically put put this platform in block 41 the northern stand and of course it didn't take people long to realize who one of their studio <laughs> pundits was yeah. big bad harry um, yeah yeah certain henry redknapp <laughs> so uh yeah he got he got plenty of stick and rightly so obviously and but that i mean that seemed to kind of distract a fair a fair number of people kind of around me um which was a little bit frustrating because you kind of think well you're here to You've not you've not been to a game for nine months and you're 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 preferring to hurl abuse at Red that rather than, rather yeah. than support the team. But each their own. It I was, was it, it was kind of one of those things where kind of in, I think any noise was 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 good noise for the for the most part, to be honest. Yeah. And just for clarity, Steve, you've been staying in your Hampshire residence for a while now, right? Yes. Yeah, I've been been there since basically after after the last pod. Yeah, exactly. So we don't need any emails to uh, question uh, what's been going on there. But uh, Dan, it's a nice segue here because uh, I thought Theo Walcott was uh, excellent again. Glenn, Glenn gave man the match to Yannick Vestergaard, which I don't think uh, we would argue with in the GDLC player ratings. But I think Theo was probably a, a close second. And that'll segue nicely into the Arsenal game, Dan, because you obviously wrote a, a brilliant piece about Theo this week. So across the two games then, Dan, what have you made of Theo? Because it feels like he's really excelling at the moment. I, you know, I think he's been really good over the two games. I think, you know, there's a very strong argument that you could say he has been their best player in the last two games. He just looks. I thought he looked good before, but it just, I don't know. It almost seems something's maybe clicked, and he just seems to understand how Hasenhutl's system a bit more, or he's got a better relationship with Walker Peters because he was just such a threat. Um, you know, against City, he was sort of here, there, and everywhere, just you know, making himself a bit of a nuisance uh, up front. You know, he was tracking back. 
all the things that you know Ralph would expect would expect from him. So yeah, just the signing. You know, when he was signed, there was sort of it was a bit of a mixed bag. I think some were happy he's home, some were more why why are we signing a 31 year old? But so far, it's worked out in my opinion. There's still a long way to go um, before the end of the season. So you know, it could turn sour. I very much doubt it will. Um, he seems to be really applying himself. Everything I hear about him behind the scenes is really positive. And I made the point in front of the cameras, he's very much, I'm so happy to be home. It's great being back at Southampton. That's stuff you'd expect him to say, you know, when there's a camera in front of his face or or a microphone and, you know, he's contracted to Southampton, he's going to be saying that. But away from the camera, he's saying the same stuff and saying it in private. And I think that tells you just how much he is generally pleased to be back at Southampton. He he said himself he feels like a kid again. And I, I am. I can see that on the pitch. He's got the pace of a kid all of a sudden as yeah, well. Yeah, I know, yeah. The, the um, fitness has really surprised me. You, you would expect a 31-year-old whose main asset was pace um, throughout his entire career, but has had sort of one or two fairly major injuries. Um, you would have expected him to have lost a yard of pace, and yet he still seems kind of as quick as I remember him when when we had him as a 16-year-old. It's it's mental. He's definitely had more of an impact than I uh, probably predicted uh, that he would have done when he joined us. So yeah, f- fitness-wise, let's hope that that uh, maintains. But Glenn, I mean, that goal on uh, Wednesday night at uh, the Emirates obviously it would have meant uh, a lot to him, not just because obviously he caught the score for Saints, but of course against uh, such a, a club that he spent so long at. Uh, yeah. And his reaction to it, celebrating properly, like you should, <laughs> yeah. um, was excellent. Just out of interest, did he score against Saints at St Mary's once? He scored yes. a hat-trick against he, us in a cup once, yep. didn't he? He did. did. Did he celebrate those goals, or was he sort of muted on mm. those? I was thinking he was probably more muted, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, I can't really but, remember. But it was, it was basically a reserve game, so it was one of those where... Harry Lewis was in goal, it didn't really count. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody was, was really... I don't think they celebrated any of their goals with any great gusto yeah. in that game. I, I just thought that, you know, the celebration, it, it told you all, all you need to know about what he feels like about playing and scoring for us now. And he's probably playing better now than, well, certainly than when he was at Everton and probably in his last two or three years at Arsenal now. So that takes him back to about sort of 26 years old. So to be playing better at 31 than you were when you were 26, there, there's probably not that many forward players of his type, as as Steve said, who, who rely a lot on their on their pace, who who can manage to pull that off. Uh, he's been excellent the last two games. I thought we lost something in the Arsenal game when he went off because he'd scored the goal. He'd been responsible for their guy getting sent off. Um, I understand why he was taken off because they, they probably still got a little bit of an eye on how much he plays. But I, I think we lost something when he went off and he's turned into a very, very important player. And when we, you know, we've got um, Danny Ings, presumably will be out for the uh, one or not, if not both of the, the forthcoming games, Walcott will be very important. I imagine he'll get pushed up front again um, and we'll, we'll go from there. But I, yeah, I've been, I've been so impressed with him. I'm never entirely sure he knows what he's going to do at the end of his runs, but he causes havoc because he, he just turns and just goes at defenders and, and, and commits them. He usually beats the first one and then he's either getting, he's either getting whacked or, or, you know, or, or losing the ball sort of thing. So he, I've, I can't can't say enough about how impressed I've been with him. And I like his willingness to do it, even after he keeps getting kicked. He just gets up and he gets on with it. And, yeah, he's been he's been superb. Yeah. And, Steve, just to finish on that Arsenal game then, I mean, look, we've got 24 points from 14 games. I don't think we need to start having a, a complete meltdown here. But I know Dan rightly so sort of said before that we'd be disappointed if we couldn't go up there. And when you look at them having lost to Everton, you know, it, it did feel a little bit deflating afterwards, didn't it? You know, particularly with the red card as well, that it was maybe a, an opportunity missed. It just felt like the, the second half, maybe tiredness, as Glenn says, was something that kicked in, but Saints were just a, a little bit passive and never really looked like uh, you know winning the game. No, I, I think we were we were good kind of up until we scored really, and then I don't know whether I don't know whether that's kind of a new attitude that we actually we actually thought that we were just having taken the lead against against this Arsenal team. We just thought, well, that's like that's game over. Then we can kind of switch off and that's 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 job done. Um, which is kind of a kind of a good and a bad thing. It's good that we've kind of got the attitude that we feel as if we're comfortable against supposedly top teams. Although I mean, I mean, let's be let's be blunt about it. Arsenal are garbage at the moment. Yeah. And I mean, their their results either side of the of that game show how disappointed we should be that we only drew. And 
to be honest, it was a, it, we didn't play well. It was it was a bad performance from from us for the for the majority of the game. But there isn't a team in the league that doesn't have a bad performance or a bad half or or things like that. I mean, Liverpool have been spanked seven two this season by Villa. Even a, a side like that who now look like they've rediscovered what they what they were taking last year. And I mean, they they took an absolute pounding in that game. And yet they're allowed that one that one blip, and they're now back on it and what five points clear already. It's like, well, I mean, that's that's that that's that um, issue sorted, isn't it? Because I don't see uh, I don't see anybody else getting anywhere near him. Um, I mean, Spurs no. Spurs Spurs's title challenge basically disappears at the at the mere mention of a title. Challenge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the pressure's um, on. And yeah, I mean, there's 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 nobody else. City City aren't going to get close. I mean, as much as they were improved from when we played them in the summer, defensively we created chance we created chances against them. Other teams will create chances against them, and they will still struggle against teams that play defensively. So, but yeah, I mean, as, as I say, one one bad game, I'm not not overly concerned. We're we're in a good we're in a good position. Yeah. Just uh, briefly on Spurs, if you've not had a chance to watch it, anyone that's uh, listening to this, there's a great clip of Tim Sherwood commentating right at the end of uh, the uh, Liverpool versus Spurs <laughs> game, where he's talking that. about he's, yeah, he's talking about uh, Spurs dominance and defending corners, just as Liverpool go and bang the, uh, they're, they're the winner in. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, dig it out. It'll be somewhere on Twitter or Facebook or something. Give it a watch. It's a good laugh. Um, just finally, then Dan, yeah, as, as Steve mentioned, you know, post City, that's only two defeats in twelve for Saints now, and we're six unbeaten on the road. So I think important through all of this, whilst it's felt like a bit of a disappointing week uh, you know there needs to be a real sense of realism and you know, you know we are ending the year and, and certainly this season very positively yeah it's, it's been a fantastic calendar year and to just touch back on the Arsenal game Ralph made the point afterwards about you know they're, they're still 10 points clear of Arsenal now no matter how bad Arsenal have been this year I think that speaks volumes that that is phenomenal you can go to Arsenal you know, draw and still be 10 points clear. I thought they should have gone on to win that game, especially after the red card. But when Ralph put it into perspective afterwards, you kind of think, well, fair enough. You, that you know, it's, a, it's a fantastic start. Um, yeah, there's so much, you know, there's just so many positives. You mean, we've said it all before, haven't we? What kind of year they've had and they're bound to take that momentum uh, into next year. Okay. The, the fixtures are probably a little bit tricky um, to start with, but they've shown over the last two games that they can go toe to toe with the, with the better side. So, you know, I'm fairly optimistic. You're listening to the Total Saints podcast, going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Right, as I mentioned at the start, it's time for our traditional TSP Christmas quiz as our enthusiastic panel are put under the microscope on their Christmas and or footballing knowledge. There's five rounds with one question per panel member, so five questions each. There's no handing over of questions if someone gets it wrong because that's all far too complicated for me to uh, manage at the same time. I can also confirm in true Ebenezer Scrooge style there are zero prizes on offer. Quick notice as well, if I hear any negativity towards Christmas or this quiz, and I'm mainly talking to you, Glenn, then points will be deducted. (laughs) (laughs) Minus five. (laughs) Okay, to make sure there are no accusations of bias from you three or any of our listeners, I have three groups of questions. So there's A, B and C. So Dan, as our resident guest, would you like set of questions A, B or C? B. B. Steve, what would you like? Uh, A or C? Um, I'll go C. C, great. So Glenn... You've got A then, all right? So just before we get going, it feels like we need some uh, Christmas music playing quietly in the background. Perfect. Okay, let's get going with round one. So this first round is called Christmas Songs, okay? It's quite simple. All you have to do is give me the next line in the lyrics from these traditional songs. It's one point for a correct answer. So this is question A1. Glenn, for you, is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king. Well done. Right, Dan, your uh, first one, B1. Ding dong merrily on high. (laughs) (laughs) He's failed at the first hurdle. I haven't got a clue. (laughs) You don't know? No. All right, fair enough. It's in heaven, the bells are ringing. And uh, C1 then, complete this lyric. So, away in a manger. Um, Oh, God. This is so long since since I've done any of this. Um... No crib for a bed. Oh, he's got it. Excellent work. Well done. Ding. All right. <laughs> and you need to do a bit more practice on your Christmas songs, all right? 
<laughs> I knew Steve's one. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Right, the second round is called Christmassy Footballers. So again, one point for each. I'm going to give you a clue to a former Premier League footballer, so obviously played since 1992 in the Premier League, who has a name that links, and of course in true style, it's either directly or absolutely tediously, to Christmas, all right? Glenn, so starting with you. Yeah, go on then. I signed for Aston Villa in 2001, having previously played for River Plate. I'm a striker who scored over 200 club goals during my career. I eventually left Villa Park to head for New York Red Bulls in 2007. I also scored nine goals for my country, Colombia. Who am I? Colombian striker who played for Aston Villa. I think Christmas as well. Oh. Either directly or tediously. Are there bonus points if we get most yeah. No, there's ten, no, there's no handing over questions. Do I get a bonus point if I tell you I randomly have his number for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Well, don't don't tell us who it is yet, Dan. But yeah. Um, I I know I should know this. So I'll, I'll go for Johnny Drug Cartel Viafara, which I know is wrong. <laughs> that is incorrect. Yeah. Um, Dan, whose phone number have you got on your uh, phone? Juan Pablo Angel. Juan Pablo Angel in this instance. Yes, well done. Angel. Excellent. So unfortunately, oh, that's, that's shocking. No, it's not. It's, I said they were direct or tedious. I got it. There you go. Right, Dan, your one. I'm a Danish midfielder who came to English football in 1998, originally joining Bolton Wanderers. I then played for Charlton Athletic before retiring in 2007, just after you were born, Dan, having been released from Fulham by Laurie Sanchez. Who am I? Danish midfielder. Oh, gosh. Think Christmas. Hans uh, Christian Andersen. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got a clue. No. I know it. Gone in, Steve. It's Klaus Jensen. It is Klaus Jensen. You don't get a point, but well done. Yep, Klaus Jensen. So, excellent. All right, and the last one then, Steve, for you. I was born in Leeds in 1974 and started my career at Ellen Road. I'm probably best known for my time at Coventry City, where I scored 31 goals in 133 games. One of my most well-known goals was against Saints on New Year's Day in 1996. It was a goal of the month contender, which saw me dribble the ball from just inside the Saints' half, beating several players prior to shooting past Dave Besant. Who am I? Oh, God. Think direct or tedious? I have no recollection of that goal. <laughs> I watched um, it on YouTube. It's, the, it's a bit like the Kinklazi one. He takes on about half our team twice. Um, oh, God. Who started... Where started, was he from? At, st- started at Leeds and went to Coventry. He was started at Leeds, but made uh, probably uh, the most appearances that he made in uh, his career at Coventry City. Yep. You'll know it when I say it. I don't want to bug you, Steve, but I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, can't, I certainly can't think of anybody who's vaguely, even tenuously Christmas-related. No, fair enough. Gone in, no, Glenn. I'll, I'll pass. Noel Whelan. Yeah, Noel <laughs> Whelan. Well done. Excellent. Right, that concludes that very successful round. Um, good. <laughs> So the scores currently are uh, Glenn with one, Steve with one, and down with uh, none. So, uh, right, let's move on to the third round. This round is called Christmas Turkeys. Now, as we all know, it's not great being a turkey at Christmas time. But what's worse than being a turkey at Christmas? Being a Pompey fan all year round, of course. So with that in mind, all the questions in the Christmas Turkeys round relate to our friends at the other end of the M27. This time it's multiple choice with one point if you choose the right answer. So, Glenn, starting with you. Saints won 4-0 at Fratton Park in September last year. There's a very enjoyable video from the home end which includes a Pompey fan comically shouting at one of his own employees just after Nathan Redmond has smashed in our fourth goal. But which member of staff was the target of that Pompey fan's, let's call it, emotion? Now, I'm not going to do any swearing because, of course, this is a family pod. So does that Pompey fan shout, Glenn, A, F-U-C-K sake Brown... Does he shout B F U C K sake Downing, or does he shout C F U C K sake Jacket? It's Downing. It is Downing. Well done, Glenn. Excellent. All right, that's another point to you. Right, Dan. Under Avram Grant, Pompey were relegated from the Premier League in 2010. Before I get to the question, here's a good stat for you. After losing to Birmingham City in the second game of the season, Pompey went bottom of the Premier League. They stayed in that exact position for the next 36 weeks, but that's not the question. Anyway, how many points did they end up with, if you can call it that, after 38 games, Dan? Was it A, 12 points, B, 16, or C, 19? God, I'm going to guess. I don't think it would have been 12, because I think that's one more than Derby achieved. Right. Can I... I'll, I'll just... Maybe this helps. Did they get a minus 10? Minus 9. Ah. I'm going to guess C. 
19, yeah? Well yeah. done, Dan. That's right. That was a good Is guess. Right? Excellent. Oh. Excellent. Well done. Right. Section C3 for you then, Steve. On the 18th of December 2011, Nigel Atkins took his promotion-winning Saints side to Fratton Park for a championship fixture. And again, I know what you're thinking. Yes, Pompey did indeed get relegated again that season, but that's not the question either. The question is, Southampton's goal machine, Ricky Lambert, headed Saints into a 1-0 lead that afternoon, but at which time in the match did Ricky score? Was it A, 53 minutes, B, 63 minutes, or C, 73 minutes? Ooh. I don't think it was as late as 73. Um... Uh, a or B. I'm going to go for 63 minutes. 63 minutes is right, Steve. Well done. Excellent. All right. That completes the third round. Right. We're nearly there. Two more rounds to go. So the fourth round is, do you know your reindeer names? Okay. So it's one point for no, each. No. the answer. <laughs> so this is uh, back to the proper Christmas stuff. All right. So including Rudolph, there are nine reindeer who pull Santa's sleigh. I'm going to go around all three of you two times. And all you have to do is give me the name of a reindeer that hasn't been mentioned already by one of your fellow competitors. And obviously, I don't want any Googling on this. So as I say, there's one point for each, so a maximum of two points on offer here. So other than Rudolph, Glenn, can you name me another reindeer? Dasher. Dasher is right. Excellent. Dan, what about you? This is a good round. Thanks. I binged watched The Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2 <laughs> on Netflix, and they happen to have reindeers. I'm going to go Prancer. Prancer and you're going to tell good. me it's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Well done. Right, Steve, you can't have Dasher and Prancer, but can you name any of the other six <laughs> Oh, um, uh, Blitzen. Blitzen is right. Well done. Right, Glenn, we're coming back to you. Oh, crap. Um, there's, four, uh, there's five left, the bigger pardon. Dancer. Dancer is right. He knows his reindeer. Excellent. Come on then, Dan, if you've been watching this, it should be easy. Vixen. Vixen is right. Well done. Right, Steve. There's three to choose from. Um, dopey. Grumpy. <laughs> um, Donna. Donna is right. Well done. That's a strong mm. round, guys. You show mm, uh, you your reindeer there. So brilliant. All right. Right. The fifth and final round. And let's have a quick look at the scores. So at the moment, Steve and Glenn are tied on four. And due to his superior reindeer knowledge, Dan has pulled himself back into it. So you're on three points, Dan. So... Uh, um, there's one point for a right answer in this round, so we've got everything on the block, uh, and I haven't got any sudden death, so if it's a draw, it's a draw. Right, so this round is called Christmas Football, okay? So, Glenn, starting with you, the question is, where are FC Santa Claus based? And again, it's multiple choice. So is it A, Lapland, B, Norway, or C, Denmark? Well, the obvious answer is Lapland. Um, FC Santa Claus... Uh, if I say something else and it is Lapland, I'll um, I'll, I'll never forgive myself, so I'm going to go for Lapland. <laughs> well done, that's the right answer. So yes, you're right, they play in uh, Rovinjemi in Finland, which is part of Lapland, of course. In 2019, they were relegated from Northern Finland's fourth division, and in 1997, they played Crystal Palace in a friendly, I managed to find out on Wikipedia, although uh, unlike uh, Liverpool against Crystal Palace, Palace managed to win that one 5-0. Right, Dan, moving on to you. Unfortunately, you can't win now, Dan, but let's uh, keep the Christmas spirit going. When was the last Christmas Day game held in England? Was it A, 1933, B, 1959, or C, 1973, Dan? <laughs> Pure guesswork. Um, A. A, 1933? Yeah, unfortunately, it's, yeah, unfortunately, it's B, 1959. So on that day, Coventry beat Wrexham 5-3 in the 3rd Division, while Blackburn beat Blackpool one nil in the first division. Sorry. Right. The last question of the uh, quiz, then, uh, Steve. You need this to uh, join uh, forces with Glenn there and uh, become both dual winners. But um, which of these Sky Sport pundits was born on Christmas Day? Is it A. Jeff Stelling, B. Chris Kamara, or C. Jim White? I was hoping you were kind of going to extend the pundit thing to be a to be slightly tenuous because I know Niall Quinn was born on Christmas Day oh there you go I thought all um, these questions were tenuous to be honest with you yeah. well yeah <laughs> Niall um, Quinn isn't a pundit well he yeah, is a footballer though but yeah it's debatable um, <laughs> oh god uh, so it's A. Guess. Jeff Stelling B. Chris Kamara or C. Jim White one of them was born on Christmas Day Stelling Stelling is incorrect. It was Chris Kamara, unfortunately. So I can feel Glenn Delacour doing a little fist pump out there. Right, so, uh, yep. Glenn has got five points. Steve has got four. And Dan has got three. So well done, Glenn. You're our winner. Uh, that was never in doubt, really, was it? <laughs> there we go. Well, that concludes our TSP 2020 Christmas quiz. Well done, guys. And uh, who knows if it will be back again next year. We'll have to wait and see.
This is the Total Saints Podcast, proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons. After all the emotion and drama of that quiz, let's get back to talking Saints with a preview of Fulham and West Ham. Dan, Boxing Day sees Ralph and the lads obviously travelling up to Craven Cottage. How do you uh, see that one going? I think it's another good chance for Southampton to win. You know, Fulham, are, I don't know, they, they on the face of it, they seem to be a bit of a weird team. They don't. They seem to either win or win or lose, and then they ended up just drawing all the time. So, yeah, just strange. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of them. I've not watched too much, I'm going to be honest. I obviously noticed one of their key players got two yellow cards, didn't he? Uh, he did, he got sent Anderson, off. Anderson? Yeah. Yes, Anderson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah he's, so, he's their captain now. Yeah, so, I mean, I imagine he's fairly influential. Um, so if he's not going to be around for the game, then, of course, that's a bonus, especially if, you know, Ings is out, then at least, you know, one of their main defenders is out. I mean, this is a team that signed Mario Lamina, so I don't know if it worth is it worth saying much more than that about Fulham. I mean, I don't really well, know. Do you, do you know what I noticed the other day, Dan? And uh, after all the grief he's given him, Glenn, I'm pretty sure I saw Mario Lamina in your fantasy team. Yeah, oh, really. You, yeah, well, that's obvious why, isn't it? It's because you can pick five midfielders and you've got to have someone who's doesn't cost any money. <laughs> so I just yeah. picked him because he was the cheapest yeah. midfielder on the on on the you know in the game. Yeah. So that that's to be fair. I mean, that's why he's yeah. there. I've got rid of him to now because f- I found a cheaper one. Oh, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, to be fair, I know he can't obviously play against us. Uh, but uh, despite all the grief we've given him, I actually thought he played pretty well at Newcastle. Yeah, but it's against Newcastle, isn't it? True. Yeah, yeah, true. Newcastle it, were obscenely bad in that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they played they played against ten played against ten man Fulham for half an hour and yeah. hanging on for the draw at the end of it. Yeah. They were pathetic. Yeah. Yeah, and they should have lost because yeah. the, the the whole Callum Wilson dive thing was horrific. Mm. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and obviously, just finished, Dan, and we will be without uh, Romeo, right? Because he's got his uh, fifth booking now, yeah? Yeah, no Romeo. So it looks like Diallo will come in. Uh, you know, I think it's a really good opportunity for him to. to he's been waiting a while, isn't he, to, to come to the team. And, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic chance because if he comes in and does well, then. Is it going to be tough for Romero to get back into the team? It's one of those situations now, isn't it, for Ralph, that Diallo's been patient, he's waited, this is his opportunity. If he takes it, then what, what do you do going forward? Do you then drop Diallo back down to the bench and bring Romero back in? I personally would, because I really like Romero. I think I think he's just been so good this season. Nice dilemma to have, though, isn't it? Exactly, and, you know, that that's the thing. Um, and it's, also, I know like, it's, all, it's also a relatively kind opponent for, for him to get his, yeah, uh, get yeah. his first start, isn't it? Yeah. I think you'd, I think we'd have been slightly um, slightly concerned if if he'd been if Romeo had got booked against Arsenal and Diallo had had to start it, um, yesterday against City. Just on Fulham then, Glenn, uh, briefly. Um, of course, they've had some noticeable uh, results over the past few weeks. Um, they won up at Leicester surprisingly, then of course held on to a, a well-earned point, I thought, against Liverpool. And uh, despite uh, what we just said there about Newcastle, um, you know, uh, I suppose we'll still take a point away from home as a as a positive result. Um, so their tails are certainly going to be up for the game. Uh, yeah, they they will be. They they've got some quite decent players from what from what I've seen. I like the look of Anguissa in midfield. He looks like a very strong running sort of player. And they've got this Bobby Deckel Dover Reed up front who seems to have popped in a few goals. He he he'd never really done much previously for I think it was at Cardiff before them, but he's um he he seems to, you know, be their, their main threat up front. They're still not great defensively and with the um with the lab being out suspended, that will certainly be an area we should target. Um, Harrison Reed will be playing, they, you know, and he's he's done well for them uh, when he's been in the side. Um, it's ironic that Lamina has been keeping him out of the side recently, but uh, I'm sure Reed will come back in with uh, with uh, Mario just being on social media for the game. Been interesting to keep an eye on that actually to see what he um, what he says. Bearing in mind we're probably still paying him, but uh, but there you go. Uh, I I think it's a game we sh- we should win. We we should we should go out there looking to win. I think a draw will be quite a disappointing result, to be honest. Uh, we're very good away from home. We haven't lost away since the first game of the season. So obviously we've got to lose away from home sometime. But you would hope it would not be against Fulham, who are who are not that great and we need to get back to you know having having only got one point from the last two games it would be a, 
a decent to get back to uh, to winning ways again. So that's certainly what we should be uh, targeting. Yeah, and Steve has been customary, of course, over the past few weeks, albeit you'll notice I'm asking uh, you and not Glenn this time. Uh, our recent record at Craven Cottage is uh, mixed. So since 1998, in all competitions, Saints have played 11, won three, drawn three and lost five. Um, last time out in the Premier League, how could we possibly uh, forget that we saw a thing in a shirt and a defensive masterclass <coughs> from Wesley Hoyt and a 3-2 defeat? So let's hope it's obviously Jesus. better uh, this time around, eh? <laughs> God, that was grim, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but you would imagine Stuart Armstrong would be back in the team and he scored twice that afternoon. He did. So, he uh, did, yes. Yes, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I find it difficult to, be, to believe that we could possibly defend as badly as we did that day. Um, we... Without sort of wishing to tempt... Well, we had Wesley Hoyt and Cedric, didn't well, we? So exactly. that was 50% uh, of our defence. Um, yes, yeah, so we, we seem to be seem to actually have a plan of what we're doing these days I mean in terms of Fulham right? I mean Fulham have basically changed their entire team since basically since the about three or four games into the season they obviously got absolutely spanked in the first um, I think they lost the first four didn't they but then obviously came the um, transfer deadline and they signed I think eight players and a lot of those players are in the team um, so they've made noticeable improvements basically by dropping Tim Ream and Dennis Adoy who were barely championship players if um, if that, so if if either of those if either of those two are the ones that are in to replace um, Joachim Anderson, who's who's obviously suspended, then I think that's our point of attack. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that we're going to trust our own game to be able to get past their defence anyway. But I think if if either of those two are the ones picked to replace Anderson, I think we'll be um, dedicating special time in terms of the tactics and who are we going to target in that back four because I think either of those two will be huge weak points just finally Glenn do you think they've got enough to stay up do you think they've shown enough uh, a spirit I mean you said there I think uh, that they've got some decent players but as a collective group based on some of the other teams around them uh, if you'd asked me four weeks ago I'd have said not a hope but they've they've given themselves a chance um, they'd be interesting to see how West Brom do down there Um I know you didn't ask me about West Brom, but Fulham, <laughs> Fulham's, um, you know, with Allardyce taking over there, but Fulham's, Fulham's fate is very much going to be based on finding three teams worse than them. So well, Bright- gonna... Brighton seem to be giving them a helping Brighton, hand at the moment. Yeah. No, I thought Brighton were playing legendary football. That's the narrative. <laughs> and Potter's doing a great job, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Brighton are going to struggle. Obviously, Sheffield United are going to be struggling. West Brom. So they've only got to finish ahead of, of those three. They've got they've got a chance if they they need Mitrovic to start scoring some goals because he's he's you know you always need a striker who's going to stick in sort of tenish goals and then you've got a chance um, you know we we talk about Brighton being a relegation struggler and Sheffield United they haven't got any strikers neither of those clubs so if you can get some goals in your team then you you've got a chance so I think, I think Lundman's the main man going forward yeah, for them at the moment yeah they they got some they got some he's tricky. Good. They got some tricky players, and the Deckard over readers were said earlier. If Mitrovic chips in with a few. Lookman carries on the way he is. Then they they may have a chance. But as Steve says, once you once you drill below the the first eleven and get into their squad players, it, they, they're pretty ropey. So it, a lot will depend on you know if they can steer clear of suspensions and injuries, they might have a chance. But uh, I still wouldn't be uh, putting any money on it. Put it that way. No. Right, well, let's do some predictions on that game uh, just before we uh, wrap up with the uh, West Ham game. Um, as I uh, was mentioning before we came on air, uh, reluctantly, disappointingly, etc., etc., it doesn't happen very often, but of course, Saints did lose 0-1 this weekend, which means I have picked up three points for the, the first time this season. Glenn, you also uh, had uh, City to win 1-0 as well, so the current prediction league is Glenn on 11, Dan on 10, Steve on 5, and me on 4 now. So, uh, Steve, let's start with you. What do you think for uh, Fulham versus Saints? Well, I'm having an absolute shocker there, aren't I? Um, <laughs> Given that I'm only a point clear of someone who's loot trying to lose on purpose. Um, oh, God. I think we'll win. It should be convincing, but uh, but obviously, I mean, let's be honest, it would be, we would feel a whole lot more confident if um, Danny Ings was available, and I suspect that's not going to be the case. Um, so I think, yeah, 1 0. 1 0, yeah. Yeah, it's going right. to be tight, I think. Perfect. All right, Dan, what do you reckon? I'm going to go the opposite and go 3-1 Saints convincing yeah. win I thought you were going to go opposite as in uh, Fulham win no, then, so no. Quickly, okay, so that's good so 3-1 win alright brilliant Glenn what do you reckon um, I was going to go 1-0 Saints but Steve has proved himself to be a dreadful um, tipster so I'm going to go 2-0 Saints 
2-0 Saints yeah brilliant alright um, Saints really need a win don't they so I don't feel like I can curse them even though I do think that they are going to win so I've got to stick with uh, Fulham to win 1-0 obviously right to wrap up 2020 then uh, Saints will face David Moyes West Ham United at St Mary's on uh, a couple of days before the end of the year um Steve, with six defeats in our last seven against West Ham, including five in a row now, home and away, (laughs) it feels like we owe them one. It does, but it also feels as if Moyes kind of has our number as well, and West Ham as a club, I guess, um, when you look at that record. I think a lot boils down to whether Antonio's fit, as to whether West Ham are able to play the way that they know can beat us, because Antonio just causes us chaos every single time. We, We... do not have I mean it's possible now that we're this sort of sort of new age saints and we're we're looking looking good at kind of both ends of the pitch that we might actually have a have an answer to it this time around. But in previous games against them, Antonio's had the run of things, um and even even that game where he wasn't available, Haller um scored the only goal, didn't he, in a in a one nil win and I think he'd not scored for ten games or something. So um and but, then he outjumped McCarthy in the London Stadium when McCarthy bottled that one. Ah uh, yes, earlier. yeah, that was last, um, yeah, that was so. that was a that was a particular high point of last season, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it was. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't I don't hold out an awful lot of confidence for this game just because they're a horrible team to play against. I mean, they've they've Moyes to be to be fair to him has done a has done a fantastic job this season there I think and I mean people turn their noses up at at them reappointing him but they shouldn't have sacked him in the first place for me. And I think while Moyes obviously had a terrible time at United, which I think everybody would have done following on from Ferguson, and he was just stupid to take take a job at Sunderland. Um, other than that, I think he's I think he's a perfectly perfectly decent Premier League manager. I certainly wouldn't put him in with the the sort of dinosaur category of Pulis, Hughes, Redknapp, Pardew, and and all those sorts. He's yeah, he's he's far better than those and and the results he's now getting with that West Ham team prove it and they've they've got a they've got a system that's that's structured and um I think I mean by the sound of it it just sounds as if the board are actually letting him manage the team rather than creating an absolute circus for that football club. Mm. Dan, you'll have seen most of those last uh, five defeats. It's felt to me like, you know, as you mentioned there, whoever's been Hammers manager during that time has kind of known that sort of power and direct football will be too much for us. Um, that sort of physical battle. How do Saints better overcome that this time around? Well, they're going to do what they do every week, and that's just play their play their own way. Ralph continually says that they know they don't adapt their game to other teams. They're just going to go out and play exactly how they play week in week out so I don't think there is too much more you just hope that they're, they're a bit better at the back than they have been in the past against West Ham I think Antonio was out for the last game wasn't he against Palace if I remember rightly I'm not sure if he's injured or or what well, but prob- that prob- probably injured he's, he's had plenty <laughs> of them but you know that you know if he is missing then of course that is a, is a bonus but you know I do think Southampton have improved defensively since the last time they played as Steve mentioned as well you know the back four is really settled uh, you know the four I mean I did think Bertrand looked a bit tired towards the end against Man City I must make that point but you know Kyle Walker-Peters I mean what a signing unbelievable player been brilliant this season and then you've got Bednarek and Vestergaard who you know you could talk about Vestergaard every week at the moment with how, how well he's playing so I think from a defensive point of view they should go there you know confident you know they've played two top six teams I know Arsenal aren't in the top six but you know they've conceded two goals that that's good going um, the only thing with West Ham is they do have good players. Uh, especially, I think they have good players in attack as well. And then their midfield is good. Uh, you know, Declan Rice, you know, there's talk of him going to Chelsea, Suchek, and then Fornals as well. So they're they're a good side. I think it'll be a lot tougher than the Fulham game. I actually can't see Southampton winning this one, but I think a draw would be a good result. Kind of take a point against West Ham because the record is so bad against them and then just move on quickly. And just briefly, Dan, just before I finish with Glenn, um... Saints will actually get 24 hours um, extra rest between their game with Fulham on Boxing Day because West Ham are playing Brighton almost 24 hours later on the 27th. So I know in football there's a lot of talk about percentages here and there and we know players are tired. So do you think that could be a key part of um, this sort of time of year as well? Absolutely. Ralph made, made that point the week they've just gone where they've played three games in, in a week basically saying they had no time to train for the Arsenal game because you know by the time they'd recovered from... God, this is really bad. I can't remember who they played before Arsenal now. Um, uh, Sheffield United. Sheffield United. By the time they'd, you know, played Sheffield United and recovered from that game, they're at the Emirates to play Arsenal. So 
24 hours at this stage of the season is really, really important. Um, I don't think you can kind of understate that. It may not seem like much, but mentally for the players as well, it's, you know, it's just an extra day. I'm sure Ralph will probably make a similar point if he's asked about, you know, the benefit of having an extra 24 hours as well. I mean, I'm sure David Moyes would prefer to have an extra 24 hours than not. So I think that kind of says everything on that. And just finally on West Ham then, Glenn, uh, obviously their record against us is good, but also their record away from home is pretty good this season as well. They've won three at Leeds, Sheffield United and Leicester. Of course, they're playing 24 hours after we record at Chelsea, so we'll wait and see how that goes. But they had the dramatic thrill draw at Spurs and then they've only lost once on the road this season, which was uh, the 2-1 defeat at Anfield. As I say, they are playing Chelsea once uh, we recorded. But again, not only are they going to arrive confident of their record against us, but their overall record this season. Yeah, they're a good side and they, they should be with the, you know, the amount of money they've spent the players they've got they they kind of remind me of Everton a little bit you know Everton should have been good last year but they weren't for whatever reason West Ham have been you know poorish for a couple of seasons but um, apart from every time they play us of course um, and, and this year it seems to be coming together and you know fair play to David Moyes for um, for getting it that way they're a good side with good players and it, it's a it's a very tough game we know what they're going to do they're going to put we're, whether it's Antonio or, or someone else, they're going to put two guys up front and they're going to send the ball long. And we have to deal with it better. Um, I mean, if you, you've only got to go back to yesterday to see that we didn't deal with the long ball terribly well um, for the Man City goal. So we, we know what's coming. Ralph knows what's coming. Moyes isn't going to come up with some brand new master plan to beat us. He's going to go with what's worked well the last three or four times. So, so we know what's coming. I think we'll do a bit better this time. Because I just think we've got more about us this year than uh, than previously. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. I hope I get a ticket because Christmas is, Christmas is crap. If I if I don't get a ticket for the third game running, I'm going to kick off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what, let's try and make you happier then, Glenn, because you can uh, start with the predictions for this time around. Then. So Saints versus West Ham, what do you reckon? I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. 2-1 win alright uh, I'm going to come in there because I always go last don't I? so I'm going to have a change of scenery this time I'm going to go for West Ham to win 2-1 so the same uh, cumul- uh, cumulative score but uh, there we go anyway um, Steve what do you reckon uh, horrible horrendous 1-0 defeat <laughs> I know we've seen them uh, many a time haven't we uh, come yeah. on then Dan bring us home in glory the last prediction of 2020 a tedious one all draw to see out the year tedious one all draw happy Christmas Oh dear. All right. Well, just before we the finish te- up, the then one all draw being the positive result that the, out of all of those, then yeah, true. yeah, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. We take that. Um, just before we finish up, then overall um, thoughts on Saint Street 2020, Steve? Uh, very good. I mean, I think we kind of lost our way a little bit in uh, just before lockdown. Maybe kind of got a little bit ahead of ourselves, thinking that well, we've we've sort we've sorted out safety now, so these games against the lesser teams we don't need to worry too much about. And then we proceeded to obviously lose at home to Burnley and Newcastle and get spanked away at West Ham. And it was it was all looking a little bit all looking a little bit ropey at that point. But came back from um, lockdown as comfortably the fittest team in the league. And that was basically the the turning point. We've been I mean, since then, we've been superb. Um, I'm sure I, I assume that stat that Liverpool and Man City being the only two teams to have won more games. Uh, this year is uh, still holds. So yeah, I mean you you just look at look at that data and it's it it tells tells its own story for me. Football is a game of up and downs, Glenn. We all know that. So important that I think all of us try and reflect back on this year and uh, hope that we've made the most of it. I think uh, it's like a lot of things, isn't it? You kind of it sinks in maybe after the time. You don't enjoy it when you should do. You know, for example, where we are in the league now, but uh, definitely been a, a year of progression for Saints, both on and off the pitch. Yeah, definitely. You've only got to you know just take a snapshot of where we were. A year ago, as um, people on TV never fail to remind us of, we're we're a million times better all over the park. So individual players, you know, you, you can everyone knows who they are: Romeo, Adams, Walker, Peters, Vestergaard. They're all so much more improved than levels that we previously thought they were capable of, and it everything is moving in the right direction. And you can't you can't complain at all. Um, and it's important to remember that when. You know, we okay. We just got beat by Man City. We didn't beat Arsenal. You know, we, we're talking about elite level clubs here. We're not there yet. You know, we're not going to challenge these boys on a regular basis. Um, so you have to keep a sense of perspective about who we are, where we're from, 
Uh, I think it's it's important to stay humble. Otherwise, you end up like a Liverpool fan, don't you? And no one wants to be like that. So, yeah, remember, remember where we're from and be quite happy with um, with the direction we're going because it, it is good at the moment. And Dan, finally then, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more in January and the transfer window will be open. It'll be a start of a new year and all those sort of things. But, uh, yeah, looking ahead to 2021, more of the same, really. Yeah, absolutely. You know, get a new fullback in next month and look to, to kick on again. Like I said, there's going to be some tough games at the start of January, but the way they're playing, the way they've played over the calendar year has just been phenomenal. But to kind of, you know, I can't really add too much more than what Steve and Glenn have already said. And I think with Ralph there, he tends to use a phrase, I'm, I may misquote him, so, you know, hopefully no one comes to sue me or anything like that. But, you know, it's a positive one. And he says, there's no success older than yesterday's or something along those lines. And, you know, with that kind of attitude uh, and with him there, I think 2021 looks to hopefully be another good year for the club. Hi, I'm Ricky Lambert. And you are listening to Total Saints Podcast. Well, a big thank you for listening to TSP 142 and for all your listens throughout 2020. As I said earlier, it's been a great 12 months for Saints on the pitch and we've really enjoyed sharing those moments with you. Thanks to Steve, Glenn and Dan for their efforts so far this season. To Alex for all of his editing since the summer. We look forward to returning in 2021 after a well-earned Christmas break for another rollercoaster year following Saints. We will, however, look forward to seeing our TSP patrons on Tuesday for TSP VIP number four. In the meantime, alongside wishing the chaps a very Merry Christmas and New Year, the four of us would obviously like to wish all of you the same. So a very Merry Christmas and New Year to you and your families. Here's to a happier and healthier 2021. See you in the New Year. Keep marching in. Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.